class four apparition. That's okay, she seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, doctor of particle physics. Ah! That stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Erin, ah! no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. You didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on. The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? There's a bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. Oh, hell no, the devil is a liar! Get out of my friend, ghost! Ow, that's gonna leave a mark. The Hello and welcome to another episode of What Could Go Wrong. I'm Tyler Woods of 106 KHQ. I hope you have a few boxes of Twinkies, some saved up expired, probably shouldn't consume high C ecto coolers. We got a doozy of an episode for you today. We take a look at what could be one of Hollywood's hugely controversial films in recent years that you could say invoked the wrath of none other than Vigo. He is Vigo. He's Vigo. You're like the buzzing of flies to him. Oh, Johnny, did you back the wrong horse? Ghostbusters Answer the Call 2016. We'll take a look at the history of the original Ghostbusters. No, not the one with the gorilla, but the other one. Then to the 2016 development, the controversy, premiere, responses, probably some facts you didn't even know about. That said, go get her, Ray! Go get her, Ray! We began our journey with none other than the man himself, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, he came up with this with personal fascination with the paranormal and supernatural. This led him to develop to this very day one of pop culture's iconic franchises, Ghostbusters. Released in 1984, directed and co-written with Ivan Reitman and would cast Aykroyd with Harold Ramis, who also helped with writing Ernie Hudson and the man improv master of the funny Bill Murray, uh, along with Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, William Atherton, the film was distributed by Columbia Pictures and would go on to be one of the most successful, critically acclaimed cultural phenomenon films, making close to, I mean, $300 million box office from its $25 to $30 million budget would go on to be preserved 
in the National Film Registry in 2015. Yeah, you could probably find it right up there next to uh, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. It also conceived to this very day one of the best songs ever from Ray Parker Jr. simply titled Ghostbusters. That became a number one hit. And we'll announce I proudly own a vinyl record of uh, Ghostbusters, but it's not the original. No, it's actually like, you know, a reproduced one that I got from Walmart. The vinyl disc is marshmallow colored, though. That's cool. Yeah. Did your original copy have that? I didn't think so. We know the story. Whenever a film brings in the bucks, you are sitting on a cash cow and it was time to go to work and milk this seemingly never ending ecto cooler. It spawned a hit Saturday morning cartoon show, toys, Halloween costumes, video games, comics. I mean, you name it. It was Ghostbusters everywhere. Then five years later, the sequel happened. Same team, same cast, same director. The budget, a little bit more from the first, 30 to $40 million. And it still did good, bringing in $215.4 million. Although it did fail to replicate the magic of what made Ghostbusters Ghostbusters. And many fans blaming it to be I mean, what caused a third film to be stalled for so long. Time and time again, Aykroyd had been presenting script after script, but it was all on lead star Bill Murray, apparently. He was reluctant to help out after Ghostbusters 2 failure, but it was only due to his relationship with Sony and Columbia Pictures. That's why Bill Murray has been around and still on with Ghostbusters all this time. He is definitely for more Ghostbusters films, but it just has to be right. But the years started counting into the mid-90s. A brief cameo in Casper. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> and then everyone seems to have given up on ghosts and gotten into Aliens. 1997, same year as the release of Men in Black uh, and its cartoon show. That's when uh, it was the release of, I would say, one of the best shows of the 90s. A little underrated gym called Extreme Ghostbusters. <laughs> Gotta slap that 90s feel to it. Extreme! That's right. If you never heard about this show, well, let me give you a brief, like uh, you know, summary. It's a short-lived sequel cartoon of the real Ghostbusters that start a diverse cast of new gen early college characters from all kinds of backgrounds, mentored by Egon and Jenny and more Slimer hijinks. But you know, I would say it was thanks to this little cartoon show that still kept the Ghostbusters phenomenon alive, slightly though. Because, and I will admit, I mean, while I did like Extreme Ghostbusters, I loved Men in Black more. I mean. It was 1997, I was like in fourth grade, everybody was talking about aliens, and Men in Black with the cartoon show, you understand, right? But it looks as though uh, all that time paid off because Dan Aykroyd came up with a script in 1999, calling it Ghostbusters 3 Hellbent. This would have been Bill Murray's character, Peter Venkman, leaving the team to spend time with his love interest, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Dana Barrett, and then uh, you got the remaining Ghostbusters, including a new younger member... Uh, that would fight souls evicted from a very uh, interesting alternate version of Manhattan called Manhelton. Interesting name, probably something with Hell's Kitchen. But of course, a revision was made uh, calling for the replacements of Bill Murray 
for Ben Stiller. Why him? Well, that's probably because of a little film known as uh, Meet the Parents. That's just my guess. But the story this time would just have our heroes finding a portal to an alternate dimension where all the worst things about modern urban life are magnified, which was actually a pretty, you know, trendy topic at the time now that I recall this. You know, Y2K, people spending more time on the internet, kind of locking themselves up from uh, society. They just want to be in their basements, their form boards. And before you ask, no, I was not. I mean, I was still a kid at this point. I was still outside playing street hockey, basketball, baseball, football, of course, with a little dash of Nintendo 64. Good times. But those worst things about modern urban life at that time magnified would be traffic is stuck in a perpetual gridlock. Nobody speaks the same language. Another story idea would have Vankman transform into a ghost. Not sure if he would be a good guy or bad guy, but still no bite. Yet the phenomenon of Ghostbusters still lingered and survived. True fans trapped in nostalgia, dressing up, attending comic cons, getting their kids in to carry on the torch. An ecto-cooler still out there on the shelves. Surprisingly... This kept the Ghostbusters franchise alive, still slightly, until finally, 2010, yeah, another decade, right? Finally, something happened in 2006. The video game industry was booming more and more. I mean, generation after generation, games were undergoing some kind of unique care, depending on the developer. And we have one by the name of Zootfly. They began working on a Ghostbusters game for the current gen of consoles, uh, PS3, Xbox 360, and the Nintendo Wii. This would eventually involve Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis as writers for the game, and they would reprise their roles, along with Ernie Hudson, uh, Annie Potts, William Atherton. It would include Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's older brother, and of course, Bill Murray himself. The game was released in 2009, well-received by fans and critics, myself included. I own a copy. It captured the magic of what made Ghostbusters Ghostbusters, tying it in with the canon, the uh, original duology of uh, the first two films. Some even officially call it the real third film. And to its success, this finally sparked confidence for a new movie. So, say it with me now. What could go wrong? A lot of things... Harold Ramis said the new film would introduce a new team of Ghostbusters, but this time around, it's going to be uh, led by the original Ghostbusters, according to the co-writers of his 2009 comedy film flop, Year One, yeah, the one starring Michael Sarah and Jack Black, uh, with filming in 2010 and be out by 2011 and get Ivan Reitman directing, right? Well, early 2010, Vulture reports Reitman was under pressure to step down to make way for a younger director to take the helm. Columbia's way to, you know, try to get a younger audience into Ghostbusters. As if there wasn't a fan base already. Well, that didn't seem to work out at all. And thanks to Reitman, Aykroyd's, uh, Ramis, and Murray's contracts, they have the right to veto any Ghostbusters film. And veto they did on this one. Bill Murray said in a GQ interview that the script, it was just poor. That the dream was just vaporized. But Columbia pressured him into just doing it. Just do it, Bill! Remember, he's a bit of a picky guy, and I can't really blame him. You you know the story about him and Garfield, right? He was kind of tricked into that role, but the mistake was more on him. But then on the other hand, you have Dan Aykroyd defending it, saying it would have given uh, Murray the comic role of a lifetime. Whatever that means. I mean, hopefully not. Something like Nothing But Trouble. It's a film I wish I could forget, but I can't for some reason. But if you also vetoed it, why? I'm not sure how the voting process would work. I mean, does it have to be unanimous or just like, you know, uh, three to one? Nope. Off it goes. 
2012 arrives, and this wasn't even better for the film. As Aykroyd said, it was in suspended animation. Murray was being uncooperative. I can't imagine why. And the script once again discarded. So what now? Well, it's the 2010 decade. You know, time, even now, currently in Hollywood, films are nothing but long-awaited sequels, reboots, and remakes. Hey, how about a remake, says Reitman, who was working on a reboot that would uh, be written by him. Uh, Aykroyd and director and writer who uh, wrote uh, scripts for Tropic Thunder and Madagascar 2 Escape from Africa, Eaton Cohen, and filmed in 2013. But on a day that I will never forget as the turning point in my career in radio broadcasting, February 2014, news broke on the passing of Harold Ramis. Fans were heartbroken, leaving tributes to Ramis at the firehouse where Ghostbusters was filmed. Even Bill Murray, just in time for the Oscars uh, that year, uh, he had a little tribute for his friend. And as for Reitman, following Harold's death, he left the director's role, stayed as producer to help Columbia and Sony find a new director. And at this point, the script with the original Ghostbusters would feature them in minor roles. It looked like this was the end. That was until later that fall. Multiple reports confirming that the movie was still alive, still coming, and announcing their position as director and writer Paul Fagg, who had been successful in his previous comedic films with Bridesmaids. Hey, that's funny. And The Heats. Yeah, that's too, that too is a funny film. And the first order of business to get this film going would be to cast an all-female Ghostbusters team. An all-female Ghostbusters team. An all-female Ghostbusters team. Co-writer Katie Dippold, who had previously worked with Faye, confirmed his intention to have an all-female cast, but not just any women, hilarious women. I mean, yeah, he's got history with that, right? With bridesmaids and the heat. But what do you think the inspiration to this was? Look no further than to the tired-out zombie drama AMC show The Walking Dead. Really? He said the goal was to tell a story you haven't seen before, or tell a story you've seen before, but in a way you haven't seen it. Boy, it really got Christopher Nolan up in here all of a sudden. Sony co-chairman Amy Pascal, she was pushing for comedy writers to come up with a script time and time again, with Fag believing that most of them and himself, they just didn't want to ruin the original Ghostbusters canon and definitely avoid a Ghostbusters 2 plot altogether. So a reboot with new characters was the solution, and Pascal actually supported this idea. In comes 2015, another big moment in production where it was announced the all-female cast of Ghostbusters. Fag brought on uh, actresses that he had previously worked with from Bridesmaids and The Heat, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. McCarthy was already on board with Ghostbusters. Plus, the two of them are SNL cast members. So why not bring other SNL actors on board? I mean, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. I mean, why not? Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, they were on Saturday Night Live. Speaking of Aykroyd, he said that he and his family were definitely delighted that these most magnificent women in comedy had inherited the Ghostbusters torch, so he was all for it. The film would also have cameos of the old cast, but not to reprise their roles, just kind of be like, you know, just for the fans. Annie Potts as a uh, hotel front desk associate saying the thing that she is famous for, but just in a new way. Uh, Aykroyd would have a very brief scene as a cab driver, reliving uh, one line of uh, dialogue as Ray. Ernie Hudson would be the uncle to Leslie Jones's character, who appears at the end. And then you got a tribute, and I actually did like this in the film, a tribute bust of Harold Ramis. That would be held uh, in shot for just a moment for fans. And uh, then you got Murray, who had an even bigger cameo role here. He would play a snippy unbeliever uh, who 
definitely gets his just desserts, but in a very confusing following way, uh, the scene in question is the one that, uh, you mentioned this to a lot of diehard Ghostbusters fans. Uh, the new Ghostbusters team captures their first ghost. Bill Murray wants to see it. And this all results in the ghost escaping and flinging Bill Murray's character out of the top story window, killing him. And then no repercussions for that whatsoever. I actually found a 2019 interview from Bill Murray saying that his participation in this film, it was just because of his friendships with McCarthy and McKinnon. And uh, he actually felt it was important to support their project. So that's how you get Bill Murray to cooperate. Are you listening there, Aykroyd, Columbia? And, well, we're kind of forgetting someone. Aren't we? How about Rick Moranis? Why didn't he show up? I actually found a rare interview from The Hollywood Reporter. He says he was offered a walk-in role, but turned it down, adding, why just do a one-day shoot on something that he did 30 years ago? Also, in addition to the cast, uh, would be Thor actor himself, Chris Hemsworth, playing a incompetent male secretary who's always blubbering. I mean, he was just a straight-up idiot. There, there's just nothing about it. He's absolutely brain-dead throughout this whole film. And then we got the villain of the film would be, uh, he would be played by uh, Neil Casey. Uh, wait, hold on a second here. Who? Neil Casey, a multiple primetime Emmy Award nominee and multiple nominee of the Writers Guild of America Award, who also is an alum of SNL and has worked with Fag on the Yahoo screen series Other Space. So this role would be his first breakthrough film. So the players are set, the script written, and filming underway, even though the news of the film's production and direction was not really well received. The only hope now was the trailer would come out, and hopefully it was to everyone's liking. And that, too, was not well received. Sony Pictures Entertainment on March of 2016 released the highly anticipated trailer for the film, and it became one of the most hated videos on YouTube. On its first day, nonetheless, the video gathered 12,000 likes and 13,800 dislikes. By May 2016, the trailer had become one of the most disliked film trailers on YouTube and the ninth most disliked YouTube video now currently sitting at 321,000 likes and 1.1 million dislikes. Which, by the way, kind of ironic that we are talking about uh, one of the most disliked videos on YouTube. Because uh, it is now November 10th. And YouTube announced today that they are removing the dislike count on videos posted to their platform. Effective uh, today, the decision to remove the count is to help protect the platform's uh, users from dislike attacks. Which is when a uh, group purposely drives up the number of dislikes on a video, like this one in particular. You can still hit the thumbs down button, but uh, you will not see how many times a video was disliked. So now that leaves me with confidence of putting out more videos on my YouTube channel of just baby shark uh, 10 hour loops. Thought that would be interesting to bring up. Anyway, moving on. Blame for the dislikes pointed at a subset of extreme Ghostbusters fans wanting the reboot to fail upon its release. Even Melissa McCarthy called out all those haters other reasons were quite possibly the tiring of reboots of films in Hollywood, and audiences were just not interested in them anymore. Regardless, remember all that ooze from Ghostbusters 2? I mean, that leaked into everybody's house. It was all-out war. It was haters against news outlets, supporters, the cast, the crew of the movie. I mean, if you were caught saying anything wrong about this movie before it even releasing, well, I mean... You were labeled a hater, or uh, the popular title, Fan Entitled, and would be uh, followed and reported by the closest Kotaku journalist. I'm just playing Kotaku, I love you. 
But can we just take a step back at this moment and just realize why everybody was upset? Everybody was putting each other down over Ghostbusters. All because of a two and a half minute video on YouTube. Where was all that passion from 1999 to this point in time? And I'm not kidding around. I mean, you were caught saying anything bad about the film, how you don't want to see it. I mean, you would just get pointed out. Like I said, it was war out there. But the war continued even after the premiere. The film uh, was divided amongst the critics, fans, audiences, uh, critics against critics, audiences against audiences, fans against fans. Uh, This even led to harassments and death threats to cast and crew, which I'm going to come right out and say right now, that's not an okay thing to do over Ghostbusters. Really? Really? Ernie Hudson came forward on his criticism, saying a reboot means you're trying to just do the movie over another version of what was already done and think that was a bit of a mistake. But still, he liked the movie. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 74% fresh tomato meter from uh, 390 reviews and 49% audience score of over 100,000 ratings. The film's budget was $144 million and at box office made over $229 million. Hey, I mean, that's an $85 million profit, right? Well, just not enough for Sony's president of worldwide distribution saying, no doubt in their minds, sequel would never happen. Dan Aykroyd admitted to having a conflict with uh, Paul Feig, the director over the film's budget, blaming that, I mean, if it didn't go over uh, $100 million, the film still would have seen a better profit earning that sequel, regretting that he wasn't there as a producer to watch costs. But still, like with Ernie Hudson, with his criticism, I mean, he was only criticizing the film's budget. Dan Aykroyd still supported the film. And then this got weird. This was a month after the uh, release. Sony decided to change the name to Ghostbusters Answer the Call for the home media release. Reason? I don't know. So what now? Well, Reitman, the same month, said projects were currently in development, uh, which would be later revealed in 2017 to be animated movies, and in 2018, announcing a new animated series called Ghostbusters Ecto Force, which, actually, I took a look at this online, it's got its own blank IMDb page at the moment. There's nothing on it. But wait, what about the new film? Well, funny you should ask. It was just recently reported, a few weeks ago, that the Ghostbusters Afterlife film was a secret project this whole time. How long? Since everybody was getting ready for the 2016 film. Revealing this was Ivan Reitman's son Jason, who called up Sony to make his sequel uh, for his dad's duology, and only three execs knew of its existence. Kind of makes you wonder, why didn't they just come forward with that to begin with so we can just extinguish some of all this drama? So in closing, here's my little brief review of Ghostbusters 2016 Answer the Call. I know they said they didn't want to do anything to ruin its canon, but that still didn't say that you could just make it base in a real-life situation, like with the first Ghostbusters film. If you watch that film closely, you can tell exactly how real everybody is. Everything is real in that film. Well, I mean, of course, without the special effects ghosts and everything. But back to this film here, most of the characters were a bit overplayed a bit and some underplayed the only one i thought was actually pulling their own weight carrying this film for me was leslie jones she's hysterical she's hilarious she's got a lot of range in this movie 
In fact, I would dare say she was on par with Bill Murray's character. One of my favorite scenes in this movie is where they chase the ghost into a heavy metal concert led by Ozzy Osbourne. And you can't help but say that is absolutely not only genius, but creative. And I know I'm probably going to upset a lot of diehard fans, but it was kind of funny watching Bill Murray get thrown out of a top story window. I mean, the dude is an icon in comedy. Why wouldn't you want to watch him get thrown out of a window by a ghost? But compared to the other Ghostbusters film, I mean, yeah, it's it's right there uh, on the same level of Ghostbusters 2. I enjoy the first one more than I do the other ones. Do I think it was a mistake to introduce a all-female team of Ghostbusters? No. Because if Extreme Ghostbusters taught me anything, anyone can be a Ghostbuster. The goth girl, the delinquent, the sensitive guy, a dude in a wheelchair who does extreme sports. That's your new gen of Ghostbusters from that cartoon. I, at the same time, am laughing and shaking my head at all this passion about a franchise when there was a kid in 1997 getting made fun of because he still liked Ghostbusters and all the other kids were into Men in Black. Can you imagine that scenario? Oh, look at the nerd over there. He still likes Ghostbusters. Come on, let's go play Men in Black. But I heard he's got a golden eye on Nintendo 64. Let's go hang out at his house this weekend. I can't tell you what to do. You are the creator of your own destiny. You walk your own path. If you like something and don't really like the current version of it, you can always go back to the old version. Man, if I had a nickel every time I've heard that. That's going to wrap it up on What Could Go Wrong in Ghostbusters 2016. Next week, I'm going to be uh, joined by a couple of special guests from the Cherryland Ghostbusters as we are going to be uh, reviewing Ghostbusters Afterlife. Till next time, everybody. That's a big Twinkie.